hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Heroes. They are those special people that are willing to step up and fight when the rest of us either cannot or are not willing. This week, we interview one of those heroes. She was part of the first queer couple in the state of Florida to get married. She shares with us her story, which includes not only her wedding, but also fighting over a jar of olives at the grocery store, and how you can be prepared for almost any challenge in life. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. Okay, let's see if this card goes through for that $8,000 drink. (laughs) Everybody wants to be a part of the in-crowd. Everybody wants to to look good. My my decision was, I'm not a victim. I'm not going to stay and work someplace where this is a problem. Normally, we don't drink on queer money, but because we're talking about a subject that David is rather vanilla on... Grab a glass of wine, because you're listening to Queer Money with the Debt Free Guys. This is the only show helping our community do more and be more by talking about money from the queer perspective. Well, welcome back to another episode of Queer Money. We are pretty excited about today. We've uh, This is a, uh, a, a show long in coming. Uh, we are affiliate partners with Guidevine, an amazing company who helps their clients find uh, advisors who can meet their particular needs. And in partnering with Guidevine, they, uh, and since our community is the queer community, they asked how we could help the queer community. So we, they created a platform to help uh, to promote Guidevine to LGBT people to connect them with advisors who are um, understand or are also LGBT themselves. And we thought that was great. So we have today Kathy Pareto and Olivia Hamilton of Guidevine. Um, Kathy Pareto is a, a unique story. She is from Florida, and she was the first uh, same-sex couple, I believe, uh, part of the first same-sex couple to get married in the state of Florida. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. So um, I'll stop blabbing. Why don't we have <laughs> our guests introduce themselves? Um, Kathy, do you mind introducing yourselves to our listeners, please? Would love to. Hello, everybody. This is Kathy Pareto, and I am a Miami resident uh, native, and um, also a certified financial planner. And I am married, of course, as you just learned, and have three children, all under the age of five. And it's utterly insane in my house, but it's amazing. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't know you had three under the age of five. Wow. wow. <laughs> Jeez. That's great. Well, welcome. We're excited to have you on the show and have you share some of um, your history as well as some of your expertise as a financial advisor. And then we also have Olivia Hamilton from Guidevine on the show. Um, Olivia, do you mind introducing yourself, please? Sure. Uh, so I've been with Guidevine uh, pretty much since the inception when we were launched in 2014. Um, and as you guys have already mentioned, we are a, a provider of a service for people who are looking to find a financial advisor that matches their specific needs. Um, and we've been so excited to partner with you guys too. We, as you mentioned, we've created a directory of advisors who specialize in LGBT planning and Kathy is one of them. And uh, we're just so excited to be here. Thank you for, for joining us. We appreciate that. Can you give us a little bit of a history about Guidevine and, and, and where, where, how this company came about? Sure. Yeah. So Guidevine actually was founded because um, one of our two founders was getting married and he and his partner were looking for a financial advisor. 
And they asked some friends, you know, who do you recommend? The specific advisors their friends recommended weren't fit. So they were like, okay, we'll Google it. And Googled it. And they're just, there was like a list of advisors. And they were like, how do we, what do we do with this? You know, we're going to call all these different people. Uh, there was got to be a more kind of consumer friendly way that we can find an advisor who is right for us. Because not all advisors service the same types of consumers. Um, you know, it's like trying to pick a doctor and not knowing who's like an ear specialist or a stomach specialist. Like just, you know, you need somebody who can help you kind of figure out what you need and then which advisor is right for you. So that's sort of the, the reason that they got involved in building guideline. And then, um, that was, we went, we went live in 2014 and we started in New York and then we expanded to San Francisco, LA, and now we're nationwide. Florida was probably our fifth market, I think where Kathy is. Um, and now we have advisors all across the country. That's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I love that story. Yeah. And it's a very nice platform. I, it, it, for those of you who are listening, it's a, it's a very nice platform, very easy to use to find an advisor. One of the things that that's one of the reasons why John and I have partnered with Guidevine is the simplicity, but also the wealth of information that you can get about the advisors. Uh, maybe Olivia, you could can kind of clue us in on some of the highlights of what somebody can find when they go to search for an advisor. Some of the great things, the tools that you guys have that are on there. Sure. So the kind of one of our biggest beliefs and our biggest um, values when we created this is in videos. We just feel very strongly that when you're picking a professional, like a financial advisor, that you're going to be working with, you know, hopefully for many years, like you've got to make sure that you like their, their vibe, their energy, like what their personality is. And it's very hard to understand that just from written content. So we actually help all the advisors on our site create videos that where they introduce themselves. And Kathy has some great videos. You guys should all check out her profile. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, like who this person is and you kind of get to virtually meet them. So that is what I would say is like one of the biggest differentiators and the biggest values that we can give to consumers looking for advisors is you get to meet you know, 20 people by watching a little video and help figure out who you like. And then in addition to that, we of course also have like what the designations are the advisors have. We have helpful filters and searches, um, search tools so that you can narrow down to the advisor specializing in the things that you're looking for. Um, and then, you know, the, on top of all of that, we have a matching algorithm. So if you come into us and you tell us a little bit about yourself, we will help not, you know, narrow it down to the, the best five advisors for your specific needs in your area. Um, so it's a combination of providing all that information, but also helping people navigate and find the advisors that are right for them. And then the last thing I'll mention is we, uh, after we built the whole platform, we realized there was still a need for some people to actually have like a human they could talk to to help them figure out what to even check in these boxes, like what designations matter to them. So we have a free concierge service where somebody on the guideline team will walk you through, you know, the process of looking at the different advisors. And we have lots of guides and content around how to interview an advisor. We're meant, we're basically just trying to help people all along the process so that it's as easy and uncomplicated as possible. Yeah, I think that's great. I think people are scared about money, I think partly because we don't learn about it at a younger age. And then I think the idea of going to, to a financial advisor to some people is, is quite daunting. Um, but the advisors are just 
regular people too. <laughs> they just As have Kathy their specialty. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. Right. So yeah, we'll include Kathy's video, um, her intro video, in our show notes. So if you want to check out uh, Kathy's video, you can go there. Uh, and then of course that that'll segue you into other videos that Guideline has with their other advisors. So that brings us to Kathy. Welcome, Kathy. We um, are excited to have you. I wanted to first touch bait, touch a little bit on your story um, as the first, I guess, gay couple that got married in Florida, because it's, it's quite interesting. It's not that you were just the first ones to show up at the doorstep. There was some kind of maneuvering, or not maneuvering, that's probably not a good word, but there was a some, law- lawsuit. <laughs> there, there was some, circum- yeah, some, some, some yeah. circumstances that, that led to that being expedited for you. Sure. So, um, so first of all, how we got involved is um, after the Windsor decision, the summer of 2013, there was a huge rally here locally on Miami Beach and all of the gay uh, advocacy groups were there represented. Much of our uh, community went there. Lots of the local um, uh, activists were there, including myself and Carla and our infant son. And we, uh, unbeknownst to us, <laughs> this is how the story started. We we uh, volunteered for this Get Engaged program that Equality Florida had, where essentially long-term uh, couples said, you know, we would be wanted, we would want to be considered for in the fight for equality in the event that there is such an opportunity. And lo and behold, that opportunity came knocking in part because of our family attorney, I think, and we could touch on that later, but we were among six couples that were selected to be plaintiffs in the case for marriage equality here in Florida. It was the first case uh, to be filed here where we were essentially suing the clerk of courts for the right to marry and the rest was history. So on January 5th, uh, was a day before the rest of the state uh, could, could, I guess, have the privilege to marry um, the judge in our case, we had a, a, a follow-up hearing to um, the case that was filed in January of 2014. And essentially she says, you know, I'm going to lift the stay on my ban for the time being because she had instilled the ban after her decision and lifted her stay. And we were able to marry right that afternoon by the <laughs> judge in the case a whole day before everybody else. So we were very, very fortunate. And it was such an amazing day with uh, just so many people behind us that it was extraordinary. So that's how that came to be. Wow. So, so the judge that basically put the stay in on this, who basically said, we have to hold off. We can't do this because we don't know if it's the right thing to do right now. That judge lifted that and said, I'm going to do this because it's the right thing to do. Well, essentially that's uh, <laughs> a summary, but there. There was a pending federal case um, here in the state that um, made this happen, essentially, uh, you know, enable that opportunity. And once that decision was made by that judge, then, uh, well, lots of other issues at play there legally. But she said, okay, I think that the path is clear. I'm lifting my stay. And we just, it was pandemonium in the courtroom. And within, within an hour, we, we were pretty much uh, on, on the way over to file for our licenses followed by a swarm of reporters and then eventually got married in front of the judge in her chambers. Wow. So like when somebody says, do you want to get married right now? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Shotgun wedding uh, is an understatement, huh? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was on the spot, but I mean, to be frank with you, we were sort of prepared for that possibility that she might lift her stay and 
we went shopping for our little white dresses and you know we were we already honestly we felt married already carol and i had at that time been together for 15 years already we had started a family so in every way we we were married except that we were not legally married and there are a number of benefits um that i'm sure we'll talk about resulting from being married right so i did want to touch on that um that, you know so, so all of a sudden you're you're thrust into the spotlight so for lack of a better term and how, in hindsight, how would one prepare for that kind, of, those kind of circumstances? I think the, the reason I ask this question is because we still have 28 states where people can legally get get fired from their job um, simply for being gay. Ah, uh, yes. But doesn't yeah. I don't know how often that actually happens. It's hard to prove, but it's still a possibility. So, um, if all of a sudden you're in a state and and you're kind of thrust in the spotlight or or, or, or in a legal situation like that, what advice in hindsight would you have for somebody from a financial perspective? Um, you know, sadly, that is still the case. And until we have federal protections with respect to discrimination for being gay, you know, it's, unfortunately, that's an ongoing battle. And even though we won marriage equality, there are still so many battles left to fight. Um, you know, for, for me personally, it was a non-issue because I, I have my own business. And at the time, Carla was uh, a stay-at-home mom and had left a, you know, a nice corporate job. Um, so, you know, one of the things to consider you know, I couldn't be fired because I was I was my own boss. That being said, fellas, I did lose a couple of clients. I think that weren't aware that I was gay, mm. and uh, good riddance. You know, I don't want to help somebody who's um, hateful. Um, but for other people who are, you know, employed maybe in a small business or in a state where th th they don't have protections. By the way, Florida is one of them. Um, you have to think that through. Uh, you know. There are a number of reasons to consider getting married. There are a number of reasons to actually consider not getting married. But you have to know what you're getting into and, and be, you know, very deliberative about the process and, and know potential pitfalls that you hadn't considered. And uh, certainly employment uh, is, is one of them, sadly enough. Yeah. So it, based on what you just said, it seems like to me it would be very clear that you would want to assess the financial impacts potential financial impacts of what could happen if, you know, you, you want to sit, don't want to think about it, but what would be the worst case scenario? What would things be like if you lost your job? What would be things be like if your partner lost their job as well? And, yeah. uh, and then what would be the, the financial costs of a legal battle? Uh, and sure. that may scare a lot of you away from that, but it also allows you to empower yourself with doing things to be prepared for that situation, having the, um, an emergency savings account, having a, a, a savings account set up specifically for uh, being prepared legally. I think that's important for all of us to think about. You know, definitely everyone should be, be prepared for emergencies. But if you feel like you want to pick up the banner and, <laughs> and go with it, then you definitely have to take into consideration the financial impacts as well. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I think. And, and, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Jonathan. So, I mean, for, for us, fortunately, that wasn't an issue. And, and frankly, I mean, being involved with this case, uh, many of the attorneys uh, were, were did this pro bono. I mean, I, I don't think I could have afforded, frankly, to do this. Uh, and many of the other couples either that were on the case. So I think in a situation like that, one would hope that if you were fired for being gay because you announced you were married, you know, I'm certain maybe there's advocacy groups or ACLU or what have you that might step up to the plate and help you fight that battle, but you cannot necessarily be assured of that 
So having a, a war chest of sorts would probably be prudent, um, but hopefully does not come to that. Yeah, I, th I think it speaks to, you know, we, we oftentimes will consult with, you know, a, a marriage counselor before considering getting married or an accountant. Um, I think we, we, a lawyer, maybe we need to throw, you know, financial advisor into the mix to so just give a slightly different perspective on, on the impact you're getting into when, uh, especially if you're one of those 28 states, when you're taking up this battle. Exactly. So um, that kind of leads me to the the marriage question, maybe a little bit less aggressive discussion. Um, <laughs> what uh, so your what do you, uh, what's your philosophy on advi uh, financial advice and, and what kind of clients do you work with? Can you tell, tell us a little bit about your practice? Sure, uh, we are what I guess uh, we'd call in the industry a boutique firm. We, we're not this gigantic operation, uh, you know, where you're sort of a cog in the wheel. We have a boutique practice. We manage. Uh, portfolios and financial planning for about 100 clients. Uh, we're selective with who, who we work with. We want to work with people we love and, and want to help and are willing to be a sort of coach through that. Um, and uh, I'm a certified financial planner, as is my professional team. Um, our client base consists of uh, business owners, professionals, uh, gay and straight, although about 12 to 15 percent of our client base uh, are gay couples and or, quote, non-traditional families. Uh, we work with a myriad of, of, of people, uh, and we love what we do, and we want to make a positive impact in the lives of our clients by way of their financial decisions. Nice. That's great. So what, you know, obviously you've been an advisor for a while, and you've been in, uh, in a relationship before marriage for a while and, and, and post. What are the what considerations should couples, same-sex couples in particular, who are thinking about getting married take into account before they decide to, to walk down the aisle? Ooh, there are so many of them. <laughs> um, I mean, not the least of which you 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 pointed out one uh, one of my suggestions is to to sit down before you tie the knot and talk to your legal advisor, talk to your financial planner, talk to your tax advisor to see what the legal and or um, economic implications might be of your decision. So um, I, I'm going to do a, a shameless plug here. I, I would strongly suggest mm -hmm. to all that uh, you pick up a copy of uh, the book by my our friend and family attorney, Elizabeth Schwartz, called Before I Do, A Legal Guide to Marriage, Gay and Otherwise. It's an easy, fun read and has so many nuggets of wisdom in here that, uh, I, you know, getting married before reading this book uh, might not be uh, very prudent. So... You know, you have to think about, we get married, all right, what does this do for our income taxes? What does this do for any kind of benefits we might have? You know, for example, if, if one of the uh, people were, was married before and maybe collecting benefits from an ex-spouse, um, if you get remarried, what are the implications of that? I mean, we, we are all so different. Our circumstances are all different uh, that you really have to dig into the weeds to see how that might impact you. Further, um, you need to have really honest conversations around money. One of the well, you know, one of the three key reasons why people fight in a relationship or marriage and is money, uh, intimacy issues, and family. So, you know, why not knock out one of them by having <laughs> more honest conversations around that? I, I really can't speak on the other issues, family or or, um, or intimacy. So um, for us personally, so when Carl and I got married, uh, as you might well expect as a financial planner, I, I mean, I did all the number crunching. I sat 
as a matter of fact, this is kind of embarrassing. I proposed to her while crunching numbers with a spreadsheet, uh, watching TV on the couch. Isn't that so romantic? <laughs> that is awesome. Sounds like a financial advisor proposal. I want to see yeah. that in a movie sometime. <laughs> well, you know, she does not ever let me live that down. Although I say, but darling, I felt married already. Um, <laughs> For us, it made total sense because when when our son, our first child was born, um, Carla quit her corporate life to become a stay-at-home mom. And we lost the ability, this is before marriage, we lost the ability to contribute to her retirement plans. Uh, you know, I uh, lost a number of other things outside of that, but that's probably a whole other conversation. I lost my health insurance, by the way, um, you know, other conversation. So the decision for us to marry was, of course, you know, meaningful, spiritual, unity, equality, all of that. But it also for us was a financial boon. So for some couples and many couples who are, you know, say high income earners, it's actually a detriment. You get bang, you know, dinged with the marriage penalty, among other things. But for us, it made sense because then, um, you know, I was able to uh, have her contribute to a spousal IRA while she was still a stay-at-home mom. Uh, later, she started working part-time with me. So then I was able to, you know, able to include her in the 401k plan when she went part-time. I was able to claim the dependent ch uh, child care credit. Um, I didn't have to keep, you know, ridiculous records of who paid for what in terms of annual gifting issues. All that stuff went away. Hmm. We had cheaper health insurance. We had a family plan at the gym, which, you know, was wasted anyway because I never went to the gym. <laughs> That's our another auto topic too. <laughs> yeah, right. Our auto insurance went down. I mean, there were so many benefits that we considered very carefully before we tied the knot, um, which for us were all pretty much all beneficial, except I did lose the ability to do um, – the ch the adoption credit uh, when my our twins were born I was well there again another conversation I had to adopt my own children as a step parent so I lost the ability to do once we were married a the adoption credit interesting so um, I'm a little bit confused by that so you 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 had to adopt your child but yeah. you weren't allowed to take advantage of the adoption credit. Yeah, it's kind of goofy. So, um, so after we were married, I mean, technically Carla was pregnant when the whole you know case was solidified, and we got married in front of the judge. Um, roughly eight eight months later, seven months later, our twins were born in the hospital, and I was not recognized as the parent, notwithstanding that I you know was part of the whole fertility process, but it wasn't my egg. And there was another battle then with the state to get my name on the birth certificate. Um, long story short, that's all been cleared up now in terms of, you know, uh, the state of Florida. But uh, yes, I had to adopt my children. And because we were already married, it wasn't considered as a, a second parent adoption, which then I could have probably uh, deducted. It was a step parent adoption. Oh, interesting. Confusing, isn't it? You see how the laws across the states can be so convoluted. Right. And this is part of our concern with the state level fights that, 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 um, for equality in general, not just same sex marriage is you know, it, it's hard to kind of, for those of us who aren't attorneys, um, or financial advisors, it might be kind of hard to wrap our heads around some of these, these nuances. And oh, I mean, that's why I'm, a, I'm a planner. It's hard for me to wrap my head around. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I think it's imperative to, to talk with people who this is their expertise and you know if they don't know the answer they can talk with their colleagues and and, and whatnot but i think this is it's very interesting yeah it what's what we talk about from time to time is 
people asked us, well, why, why are you doing a show that's specifically about money for the queer community? What's the difference? There's no differences. You guys are all the same. And it's these kinds of stories, highlighting these kinds of nuances is the reason why we are bringing this show to people because we uncovered a few of these ourselves, but there's so many other examples of where we need to be cognizant of still how different we are compared to uh, many of our peers. Uh, yeah. uh, wholeheartedly agree. And I thank God for you both for putting, <laughs> you know, opening the airways to these important topics. Oh, well, <laughs> we won't be able to do it without you. people like you. <laughs> exactly. We, we, so. we can only cover some of them, especially yeah. we, we can draw on our own experiences, but uh, highlighting experiences like yours really helps bring that message to, to other individuals who may be considering the same process. What is the adoption process like? What is the, uh, the childbirth process like if you are going to go through surrogacy or, or you are going to do uh, in, vitro infertil- in, vitro, in vitro fertilization? Mm-hmm. There's the emotional costs behind that. And we've talked about that with, with other individuals on other podcasts. But then there's the financial impact. And as you mentioned earlier, sometimes that financial impact is the one of the things that can then make it an emotional impact on your relationship. So you definitely (laughs) have to to be prepared. Yeah. And to take a step back, um, Liz Schwartz is going to be coming on our show uh, in the near future, thanks to Kathy's connection. So she'll be able to give us all the details on that and give a second plug to her book, (laughs) (laughs) which we're happy to do because it's a great book. So, (laughs) And, and, you know, Liz is is, is a, I mean, she's, she's an advocate. She is an activist and has really made, created a lot of change in in our, in our world. Yeah. She's doing, she's doing some great stuff. So I guess, I kind of repeat a question I asked earlier. In hindsight, now having gone through the legal battle to, to uh, for same-sex marriage in Florida, and then if I understand correctly, now the state of Florida does not require same-sex uh, spouses to adopt. They can both be on the birth certificate. Is that right? That is my understanding. If if they adopt while married, uh, I might you know, defer that one to the attorneys. But um, p- part of the issue for us with having my name on their birth certificate is that there was still a law on our books here in the state of Florida that referenced the inability for uh, a same-sex couple uh, essentially to be recognized in a, that birth situation. Right. But that has since uh, changed for the better. So that's done. Gotcha. But it might, you know, that might not be applicable in another state, which I have no idea. That's right. Absolutely. You know, yeah, I think there's still several states where that's not applicable. So I think that that kind of takes me back, takes us back to the, the conversation we were having earlier. Depending on the state that you're in, if it, it might be prohib- unfortunately, it might be prohibitive for you to get married, or or it might be prohibitive for you to adopt children or have children. So, not that we want to keep keep people from, you know marrying you know getting married and having children and, and, and doing what families traditionally do it's just take into consideration where that's going to take you um it's, it's not always a surefire path and it doesn't always look like roses <laughs> sometimes right. you have a because you had two fights back to back which is pretty phenomenal oh and stressful <laughs> <laughs> exactly well um, it, it, you know and you made a comment earlier about what we're doing we also have to return the thanks i think that there are probably hundreds of thousands of families in florida who owe a debt of gratitude to you for taking up that fight and being a part well, of that um, because you weighed those costs financially emotionally and I'm, I'm sure that there were lots of other individuals who would have loved to have done that but they couldn't 
or or we're scared to. And so it's nice to have leaders like you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So what um what advice would you have for a couple who's considering getting married? How would how would you uh what advice would you have for them to engage in the money discussion, to to discuss what each other's incomes and debt and credit rate mm. uh, credit ratings are? How would you engage that conversation uh, or, or get your clients to engage that conversation if they came to you before a wedding? Yeah, so hopefully they've had that conversation on their own without us or, you know, without a financial planner. But I, you know, you have to sort of do bottom-up, top-down analysis. Where do you stand? Where do each of you stand? What's your history? What is your relationship with money? Um, you know, it's not just about uh, cash flow, income, expenses. It's how do you treat money? How, how do you like to spend money? You know, do you keep a budget? Uh, should we do a prenup? Should we keep our uh, uh, assets separate or do we commingle or do we do a hybrid? Uh, you know, your account, your account, our joint account. Um, you, you, all of the above, you have to see, what the, you know, what's their history? Have you ever been uh, sued? Have you ever had a judgment? Do you owe anybody money that I'm not aware of? Uh, it, it's a host of, of very important uh, often uncomfortable issues that you have to talk about honestly, uh, you know, well before you decide to get married or not, you know, this is, this applies to any couple, even not planning marriage. If you're a couple, you have to have conversations around your respect for money because surely you're, you know, probably using it together. Um, but I think with a, with a sort of an independent third party, a financial planner or any other maybe financial advisor or tax advisor, you want to create a safe space for those people, for those couples to be able to have an honest conversation about money that they may otherwise wouldn't do alone and, and, you know, really sort of sharpen the pencil to do number crunching, to see how that might, how walking down the aisle might impact your future financial plan. Uh, So many issues to think about in my household. I'm going to give you one personal example. Uh, And by the way, Carla and I have, pretty much always commingled for for the, you know, most of our stuff with accurate accounting, of course, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but we made a decision as a couple. One of the things that I found that we started fighting about sometime in the relationship was expenditures of a certain size. Hey, you didn't consult with me that you were going to buy such and such. Uh, You know, we probably should have talked about that. So we sort of set a threshold of where we could buy stuff on our own without consulting and, you know, as we made more money, that number got higher, of course, but the threshold is X. If you want to do something over this dollar amount, we got to agree to it. Um, and one of the things I would strongly suggest to anybody considering marriage or otherwise is to have regular money meetings. You know, say once a month you have a state of the union conversation. Where are we? Especially if your assets are commingled, by the way. Um, and maybe delegate a, a family CFO, the, the chief financial officer of the household, uh, to take the reins on day-to-day stuff, especially if you are merging your finances. Um, here's another important question. Again, this one hits home. What if we want to start a family? What does that do uh, to us if one of, you know, if one of us stays home? And would we want that? And if one of us is staying home, how are, you know, how is the other uh, individual in the couple going to sort of, you know, I hate to use the word uh, compensate, that sounds terrible, but, you know, how do we equalize what we're saving in our retirement plans, for example? That, that's a big issue right. and one that can rip a family apart if you haven't thought it through. Um, I mean, I can go on, but I don't want to. <laughs> no, that's it's a lot of great information. Yeah, it's interesting what, what, you're, what you're saying here is uh, somewhat in line with a, 
a comment that another individual who was on our podcast said. He said that a marriage should be a merger, not a buyout. And when you think mm. about a merger between two companies, there is a lot of upfront work that is done to make sure that these two companies sh should be merging. There's, sure. They look at the finances, they look at the process, they look at everything to determine whether or not these two companies should be coming together. And although it may be daunting, if you want your marriage to work like a good merger does, that when two companies come together, they form a synergy, then if you want your marriage to do that financially, you have to take those steps and do that work. You, you have to. I, and I think that communication is essential. If you don't have great communication, not just around money issues, but period, communication, period. Um, mm, not good. It does not bode well for relationship long-term. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, rem I remember, Carl, I'm sorry, John. No, that's okay. I remember, this is kind of a dumb story, but funny. <laughs> I, when Carl and I f first moved in together, we had our hers, hers, ours account. And our hours account was for groceries and all the stuff household. And I, <laughs> I like to have martinis with olives. Okay. <laughs> There's always olives. Too. In my <laughs> so, um, I kid you not, we were at the grocery store one time and we were like fighting over a jar of olives because it wasn't in the household budget for that week. I'm like, but I cannot have my martinis without olives. So, I mean, it's just goofy, but relevant. <laughs> right. It comes down to the very Penny. <laughs> yes, sometimes it does. Um, yes, yeah, so that, that was that was a lot of great information. What I'm, I agree with you. Couples need to talk about a lot of things before they decide to get married, um, especially money. And I think money is a hard topic to talk about for lots of people. There's a lot of emotions that come with that. So it's. I think it's important to, to break those down. But I think that oftentimes when people get, they fall in love and they want to get married possibly get engaged. And I think this happened a lot, especially after same-sex marriage passed, it was legalized, that a lot of people just kind of dive into the marriage. They don't have the conversation. And then they suffer the consequences, unfortunately, of, of not doing so afterwards. Are you finding in your experience, uh, or what experiences are you having um, with same-sex couples uh, and their, their um their post-marriage <laughs> um, preparation. Are you finding that that same-sex couples are, are prepared for marriage financially, or um, are you seeing some consequences that are negative? Well, thankfully, not me personally, because if you are my client, I assure you we are having these conversations before you tie the knot. Uh, <laughs> Good and, point. And, yeah, um, and, and I have, so I'm sure there are many horror stories of, out there of people who just kind of rushed into this without thinking it through, but uh, not our clients. No, we're, we're very careful to, I mean, shortly after uh, marriage equality passed, I met with many of our clients who are same gender. And, and ask the question, you know, now that this is legal, is it something that you're considering? If so, you know, we need to talk about what the consequences might be. And even if, let's say, we were only working with one of the, uh, one of the people in, in the couple, I, we asked the other couple to come in so we can have these honest conversations, even if they weren't technically our client. So, um, you know, that being said, uh, certainly there are other not so rosy stories out there where people rushed into it, didn't think about it. And are, you know, it maybe have, have created a financial detriment to themselves or maybe lost a benefit that they hadn't considered, any number of things. And, you know, there's tons of research out there and uh, tons of free resources on, on, on the web or books that you can read 
um, or listen to shows like yours where they can learn. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I guess we'll, we'll throw in an interesting story on our side. You also want to be cautious as to how you use those words of marriage and husband, wife. Mm, um, yeah. John and I. It matters uh, now. <laughs> right. John and I are not married and. Uh, we're we, domesticated. We, <laughs> we were domestically partnered, but we did that at the state level and we didn't express that to our accountant. And uh, last year when he was doing our taxes, he asked legal counsel in his office, should I be declaring them as a couple or not? And married couple. Married couple. And, uh, mm-hmm. and the legal counsel said, well, have they ever put themselves out there to be married? And they had this 45-minute discussion as to who David and John are. <laughs> and they decided after that that, no, he would continue uh, filing us separately. The next day on Facebook... David referred to John as his husband and Matt saw that and showed it to the attorney and said, well, now they need to be filing separately or jointly as married. (laughs) Facebook really is considered legal, like, uh, you know, evidence, I guess, in that case. I I think the question was whether or not we put ourselves out there as a married couple. And I guess I I don't don't think it needs to be, you know, an illegal document. I, I took it. So. Right. You know, whatever. We we consider ourselves married. It's going to happen eventually. And we've, we've had a couple of attempts to do so. It just hasn't panned out. So, and now we're just really busy. So eventually we'll, we're going to be like that old couple that gets married and it's going to be really cute. <laughs> I hear if, you, uh, if you're working on number crunching on the couch, that typically leads to marriage. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Man, that I, one hurt. I, I find spreadsheets sexy. <laughs> well, I do. Some people do. Yeah. <laughs> David likes numbers. Oh. <laughs> when I, you know, when Carla, Carla's a master at Excel, that's why I fell in love with her. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Well, unfortunately, David doesn't have that symbiotic relationship here. <laughs> I still struggle with it. Um, so, Kathy, would you mind sharing with our audience? It sounds like, you know, your advice, your clients, uh, your same-sex couple clients um, aren't having, you know, negative consequences post-marriage. So I wonder, that leads me to the question of what kinds of questions should a prospective client ask their prospective advisor what what should they know before or they go into that relationship well i so i think the following will apply to anybody who's looking for a financial advisor whether they're it's you know gay or straight you, you have to know what what is the advisor's background what are what is the advisor's credentials compensation strategy you know what kind of experience does that advisor have what is their philosophy with regard to investments to planning um, you know, have is their compliance regulatory record clean? Um, what is their communication style? All of those are relevant to anyone seeking the help of a professional uh, advisor. Are they, you know, credentials that I would look for would be the certified financial planner uh, designation. How many years have they been doing that? Um, are, are, do they have their own practice? Do they work for somebody? How are they, I, I talked about how are they compensated? Are they fee only? Do they work on commissions? Are they selling you products or are they completely independent? What is the platform they're using? So, um, by, so to extend that, if, if it's a, a gay couple looking for a financial advisor, all of those are relevant and important, but I would take it a step further. You know, I would ask the advisor what their experience has been working with uh, the LGBT community. How many LGBT clients have they served? Can they maybe cite some experiences where they helped the couple? Um, you know, I, I think you'd want somebody that would understand what your issues are and that you, frankly, were comfortable speaking with. And you don't have to be gay uh, to be a great advisor to the LGBT community. Um, but, you know, 
you probably are in the trenches with your community and may know uh, have experiences that maybe somebody otherwise wouldn't have, but not it's not necessary. Right. And Olivia, th- so those are the kinds of questions and uh, answers that an individual could get from Guidevine, correct? Um. Yes and no. We def we have a this this particular question is a, is a is an answer that we have in our blog. We have a questions to ask your financial advisor checklist. If people go to the concierge section of the site, we have that and also, you know, things to consider before finding a financial advisor and it includes all of the great questions that Kathy mentioned. And it's kind of like a little printout checklist that you can, that you can ask the advisor. That's Some great. of the information like credentials, education, background and stuff we have on Guidevine, but this goes much more in depth. Um, as Kathy mentioned about, you know, like how do you, what's your fee structure? How do you work with clients? Um, have you worked with people like me? Um, et cetera. So that's, I would definitely recommend people pull that down. We could, we could share a link to it maybe after yeah, the we podcast. Yeah, in the show notes. Okay, great. Yeah, I think that'd be great. I think because it's a lot of, a lot of great information, but I think if you're not in financial services or you're not familiar with, you know, how the financial industry works, that could be kind of daunting. So I think it'd be great to include that in the show notes. Exactly. Cool. So I think this has been a pretty awesome conversation. There's been a lot of information. Um, we definitely want to thank uh, both Kathy and Olivia for being on the show. But before we wrap things up, I wanted to uh, – do you have any um, – I want to ask if there are any clothing, closing thoughts on people, uh, on, the, on the idea of, of same-sex couples, uh, whether they're getting married or not, on, on how they could pursue or, or, or find an advisor or what considerations you take into account. Just any closing thoughts. I'll throw it to Kathy first, and then we'll close out with Olivia. Um, so uh, I'm going to interject something that's not necessarily related to finding an advisor, but you know, I, marriage, marriage is a wonderful institution. We've worked really hard for equality and, you know, many of us were on board from day one. Uh, but it's not for everybody. Just, just because we now have the legal right, uh, to, to be married doesn't mean that every gay couple necessarily needs to, or wants to. That being said, you must be assured that you have uh, a proper estate plan in place to protect each other. So if you're not going to get married, and, you know, and some of these protections are automatic if you're married, uh, but not so if you're just domestic partners, for instance, and, and that, again, depends on your state. So just be sure to sit down and think through, uh, if you're not going to be married, uh, what your what your financial plan and, by extension, also your estate plan should look like and sit down with a competent professional to draft those plans um, with some uh, deliberation and intelligence. Yeah, I'm, 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 thank you for saying that. I did. I didn't even think to ask that kind of a question. But, that's okay. But that's a, that's a great point. So you know, whatever relationship you are in, it is a relationship, and you want to make sure that you're protected. Exactly. You're both protected, and because um, you don't want to suffer consequences. Hopefully, you never do, but you don't want to have to suffer consequences down the road. Right. You, I mean, and something as as simple or scary as you know, your partner is in the hospital, and you need to make decisions for for them, or you know, you want to visit them. Uh, all of those things are still very relevant it, for for a gay couple if they're not married. Right. You know, it's interesting you say that because I just saw an article on LinkedIn this week where a family was kicking out the partner of a man who passed away. Um, They had been together for 56 years and his family was evicting him from the house that they had basically lived in together for over 50 years. And uh, so we have to be very cognizant about what, if we want those protections, we have to, we have to take them or find them ourselves. Exactly. Can't take it for granted. 
Absolutely. I think it just speaks to the point of just have to prepare in advance. Have your emergency savings fund, talk to all the professionals you can, and make sure you're protected. It's, it's, I know it's not fun. Exactly. <laughs> and it can be a little bit costly sometimes, but it's, it's definitely worth it in the end because you don't want to be that one person that's getting kicked out of their house at the age of 50. Mm, it's just awful. I'm that's, shaking my head over here. Yeah, yeah. it's not good. Um, so, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I think that's, that's, a, that's an awesome point. Um, and then I will uh, defer to Olivia. Any closing thoughts, Olivia, you want to share about no. um, what we talked I, about or our guideline? Sure. Yeah. I guess my, my own, my closing thought would be just sort of underlining what you guys were just saying around how, you know, we talk to a lot of different consumers and we understand that dealing with your finances and talking to an advisor is something that people will sort of avoid, push under the rug. Um, and especially when it comes to your relationship, it's just like you guys said, it's not the sexiest topic. (laughs) Excel spreadsheets are. Um, but I guess yeah, sort of on the flip side, what we have found is that when you get those conversations out of the way, like it really can create a, like a much stronger bond basically because you're, there's no like, you know, un, uncertainty or questions or it's all like, it actually can create a lot more space for the relationship to grow. And it's, and it's, and it's not, um, it's, and, and having an advisor, I think what, what we've heard from people to make it be a third party. So it's not like one partner in the relationship is always bringing up money. It's like you have this third party can actually be, you know, almost the benefit of having like a couple of therapists. It's just like a third person that's, and that's, uh, that's giving you guys the direction and the security that you need. So just, yeah, basically reiterating the value of people like Kathy in, um, I think it's a great great. point. I mean, you can look at your advisor as a coach. I mean, I love that, you know, life coaches and and, and business coaches are are popular right now. Your financial advisor is just your money coach. Right. And and, uh, (laughs) Olivia, I I think that what you bring up is a very good point that that you can make space for the relationship to grow. Because one of the things that John and I found was that when we got on the same page financially and we aligned our goals... Now, we know that they may not overlap 100%, but when we aligned our primary goals in life, the speed at which we started to make progress and the fun that we started to have together was was primarily because we did that. We said, let's get work. You know, we're we're going in two different directions. If we're going in the same direction, we're going to get there faster and we're going to have more fun doing it. And we did. I love it. I love it. I love it. I completely agree. I, I, you know, sometimes it's difficult to plan a unified life. If you have every, you know, you're not on the same page financially, or you have all these segregated accounts and you've never talked about a plan and how that looks like together. Um, well done, guys. Yes, because oh, it's you. that much easier to, uh, you know, visualize. What are your goals? Are you on the same path with respect to those goals? And how can you work together to get there? Yep. The sooner the better, right? So exactly. it, that requires uh, transparency and teamwork and communication yeah, and was, discipline. It's so much easier that way than it than it was before. We were going, like David said, in opposite directions. So. So, um, well, thank you both for coming on the show and thank you Guidevine for, for, uh, you know, the, connecting us with Kathy. Um, I also want to, uh, we will include a link to Guidevine, uh, to find an advisor. If any of our listeners are looking for an advisor and Guide, Guidevine can help. I do want to disclose it. We are affiliate affiliates of Guidevine. So we, we would get compensated if you, if you use that link. Um, but, uh, whether you use that link or not, we definitely think it's important for you to find uh, an advisor. So please, uh, please do so. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate the, the topic, and thanks for doing this. Thank you, Kathy and Olivia, for joining us for another great show. And for all that you've done for our queer community, 
both by your example and being in an inclusive business. We want to encourage you to take the time to check out GuideVine to find an advisor that can help you be prepared for a better financial future. And remember to check out Kathy's video on our site at DebtFreeGuys.com. Okay, we just serviced you. Now you get to service us by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and signing up for the Queer Money Lifestyle newsletter at queer.money. Well, I'm not really gay. (laughs) (laughs) Would help me if I had a personal chef made all all my healthy meals for me. Right. So instead I'll have a Snickers tonight for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) The other end, I like the butts, so. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.